Welcome to Politics and Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning, Texas. Good morning, United States of America. And of course, good morning to the world. How's everybody doing? We are going to make sure this is a great day for everybody. You know why? Because you are going to make sure this is a great day for everybody. Well, without further ado, our control room with the two, the two genios, the two geniuses. How are my peeps doing back in that control room? You mean the two heinous souls who came into the control room here? It's more like Laurel and Hardy. Uh, well, Stanley, no, this I, is I, another I, fine mess you've got me into. Jolly! <laughs> I think has got some wisdom for us this morning, and boy, could we use it. Let's get some okay. wisdom. Okay, good morning, Egberto. Good morning, senor. Okay, this is this is a two-part deal, part mine and part someone else's. So I have failed at many things. I have done many things. The things I have failed at yesterday, I have mastered today. This is the second part. So do not fear mistakes. There are none. The last part was by Miles Davis. I love it. Love it. You know, it's interesting. Um, yes, sir. I was going to say what, that there are none. That was the last sentence. <laughs> oh, there are none. <laughs> well, you know, I tell you one thing, Egberto, failure is a much better teacher than success is. Oh, because, you know, I, it took me a year to build a TV automation system one time because I kept failing at it and having to buy different stuff. And I went, finally, finally, a year later, it all came together just like a dream. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, whenever my daughter used to be going through her tribulations and stuff, I would look at her and I said, do you know, beautiful, I've failed more than I have actually succeeded. Because when you fail and you fail and you fail, you keep on doing and doing and trying and trying and trying and trying again. And then yeah, you, you don't get give successful, up. Right. And you get successful at something. You stay right there where the success is until failure comes again. You fail, you fail, you fail, you fail. And success comes. It's it's all about staying power oh, yeah. and all of that. So hey, oh yeah, I, I am with you, man. I I I tell folks all, different than you just said, but it's you know you fail more than you succeeded because you keep failing until you succeed, right? And unless you are a, this very exceptional special person, and I don't know too many of those, right? So you know we well, we fail. Just look in the mirror. I don't know about that, though. but, you know, we, we keep failing <laughs> and we get stuff done. But uh, that's the name of the game. Y'all are all too modest. Y'all are all just too modest. We are all, we're right. all you got we're for doing today. It. We got a great show today. We have an interview with Norman Solomon. This is a this is a reporter nationally known that I respect so much. This is a guy that I've interviewed uh, before, met before. Uh, he is in the activist uh, journalist state. Uh, space that does a whole lot of reporting. But before that, let me set up the show. Title of the show, Swalwell had Jordan on the run. GOP strategists, Republicans can't govern. We may get to those Bowman on poverty. Uh, we may get to those. But the one that, the one that we will start with is Norman Solomon. Norman Solomon discusses the never-ending war on terror response to 9-11. Norman Solomon returns to PDR to update us on the continuation of America's never-ending war since 9-11. 
he details much of this in his book titled War Made Invisible, How America Hides the Human Toll of Its Military Machine. Folks, remember, you can get us by dialing it up at 90.1 FM. Of course, you can download the TuneIn application for your phone, either Android or Apple. And just search for KPFT and you'll find us. Then go to or go to KPFT.org or our website. Click on that listen button. But if you're at our website and you have a few sphere change in your pocket and say, hey, I don't want KPFT to have these long fun drives. So whenever I visit their website, I may just take that donate button and give them a penny or two. So think about doing that as well. You can go to K. Oh, by the way, when you go and donate at the website. So that our big, big head guy knows that, you know, politics done right is kind of helping bring some stuff into the studio. Remember, I don't get a penny. Make sure to say that it's on the behalf of politics done right. You know, there's a, there's a check box that or a drop down box that you can do that with. Also, Facebook, you can watch us. You can watch live. I'm wearing my Trek Volkswagen shirt today. You can check us live at Facebook.com slash kpft houston facebook.com slash kpft houston of course you can watch us on youtube at politics politicsandright.tv and hear ye hear ye if we don't get to all the topics today did a lot of, i cut a lot of videos for my peeps you all you can always go to politics slash newsletter politics slash newsletter tells you what our entire program will be about today Assuming we get to it, but all in all, remember, you get it all. Anyway, without further ado, let's listen to Brother Norman Solomon. Uh, I really enjoy his point of view. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Then Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today, we are honored once again to have Norman Solomon, who is a an American journalist, activist, media critic, and co-founder and national coordinator of rootsaction.org. He is the author of War Made Easy and is a longtime associate of FAIR, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting. His book, War Made Invisible, How America Hides the Human Toll of Its Military Machine, is a must read. And you're back here again. First of all, welcome to Politics Done Right, Senor Solomon. How are you doing today? I'm hanging in here. Thanks a lot, Egberto. I'm so glad to be back with you. Well, you know, last week was, or not last week, a couple of days ago, it was 9-11. And before I ask you my first question, I want to tell you a short story. At KPFT 90.1, we had a caller that was irate that I didn't start the program with 9-11. And uh, I relayed that, you know, I am, that these people never asked to be sacrificial lambs at, on 9-11. And I expressed to them about the, the thousands of people that died with the invasion in Panama. Not, not to equate any of these people with that, but I wanted to show that there's a lot of harm that's been done by us. And, you know, of course, there's also Allende for 9-11 in Chile. So, I mean, um, what are your thoughts, first of all, on the celebration of 9-11? Those uh, anniversaries really you know, resonate powerfully and emotionally as they should. And history is precious because if we don't know the past, we really don't know where the present is coming from. And we don't know where we're going unless we can change course. 
And I'm glad you mentioned all three of those tragedies because that's what each one of them were. The invasion of Panama in 1989, just a made-up pretext, uh, some Navy U.S. uh, trooper got insulted and the first President Bush used it as an excuse to go in and slaughter people just because of a power trip to control around the canal and uh, Central America and so forth. We just marked 50 years of the 9-11 anniversary in Chile, and it happened a coincidence. September 11th, 1973, the U.S.-backed coup deposed a not only democratically elected government, but the government headed by Salvador Allende, the popular unity that was about giving milk to starving children. It was about health care. It was about respecting and honoring and, and rewarding workers for their actual work rather than exploiting them. And after a few years of this tremendous grassroots organizing and achievements for human well-being in Chile, the United States government went in and helped this horrific coup that ushered in 17 years of barbaric torture and repression under the Pinochet regime. And as I say, by coincidence, 22 years ago, the 9-11 tragedy that took 3,000 lives in one day, September 11th, 2001. And so we mark that. We mourn those people now as we did then. One of the things that I emphasize in this book you mentioned that's just come out, War Made Invisible, is that the preciousness of human life needs to be a single standard. And what we're constantly besieged by through the ideologues, the nationalists, the racists, the xenophobes, is to present to us the concept tacitly through omission or sometimes explicitly that some lives really matter and some don't. And so when we look at the so-called war on terror for the last 22 years, it's come into focus for me as I've talked with people about this, that we can even put it in numerical terms. Human beings are not numbers, and yet we can get a sense of the scale. 3,000 human souls extinguished on 9-11, each one of them innocent, each one of them civilians. For the next two decades, according to the Cost of War Project at Brown University, the U.S. led so-called war on terror in response, we were told, to 9-11, extinguished more than 400,000 civilian lives directly. So, you know, Alberto, I think about that, 3,000, more than 400,000, that means for every person killed on 9-11, Equally innocent, more than 100 people were killed because of the U.S. wars. And I'd sort of sum this up, in a sense, by saying that what happened was displaced rage, grief, chauvinism, and collective punishment of the innocent. That is so true. It's amazing that you said that. Because when I, you know, I'm originally from Central America, Panama, in fact. And the the place that they leveled, they leveled three places, Chorillo, uh, Colón, and David. These were the, the, the places where the Guardia was in these places. And, and uh, you know, they came on and said 516 people died. We all know it's te- these are tenements. And 
It's thousands of people who, who died there. So I asked the, the, the caller who uh, thought many of us by bringing out these truths are being disrespectful. I asked the caller, I said, suppose the same vengeance that, that uh, Bush displayed towards Iraq, which was the wrong protagonist anyway, suppose that uh, that one or two or three of those Panamanians agreed by the innocent loss of their entire families out there. Suppose they decided that they wanted to exact vengeance again or vengeance on those that attacked them. And that is a cycle that we speak about. And when you talk about forever wars, how do we get around it other than, well, let me not give an answer. How do we get around these forever wars based on these fallacies when so many Americans are convinced in statements like these people at 9-11 were martyrs. These were people who never asked to be martyrs. They never asked to be sacrificed. But everybody's talking about, we thank you for your sacrifice. They didn't ask for that. Right. We have cycles, as you said, that have been going on and we could go back to the Greek tragedies of a few millennia ago that explored that human reality. We should be realistic, but not fatalistic. We can and we really need to break those cycles of violence. And those cycles are fueled by this kind of nationalism. And of course, the profits from the military industrial complex, huge profit taking by major military contractors. I don't call them defense contractors. It might be uppercase D defense, but they are military contractors. Most of what is provided by Raytheon or Boeing or Northrop Grumman has nothing to do with defense. As a matter of fact, it actually makes us more endangered, militarizing the planet, further exporting more weaponry and so forth. So we have this opportunity to say, we're going to educate, we're going to agitate, we're going to organize, we're going to build independent media. And in our own small ways, my book, this program, we are part of this ecology of people from the grassroots growing and saying, we're not going to put up with this anymore. Now, as we talk about the military industrial complex, a question that that all, always bothers me. Do you think? Do you think that uh, these guys promote, bribe our politicians? to do all that they do with the programs that they for building all these equipment, some of them that will never be used. Do you think this is a, is a concerted effort just to make money irrespective of uh, the damage that it caused uh, to humanity? Do you think that these guys know the damage it caused, but that is just the, the cost of doing business? There are true believers uh, in the United States as the de facto Pax Americana uh, we hear all the sloganeering, which I assume to some significant degree among many of those so-called leaders is really believed. Uh, American exceptionalism uh, under the Clinton administration ever since we've heard that the United States is the world's indispensable nation. And as I say in the book, the United States is indispensable to itself. Most of the rest of the world would do just fine, thank you, without the United States. As a matter of fact, uh, quite a bit better in many respects. The U.S. is 4% of the world's population, and yet to hear about it, oh, we're, we're God's gift to the world. Many, Most people in many respects experience it opposite. I'm afraid that 
not only the nationalism and zeal for geopolitical positioning and the trade agreements and leverage and power in different parts of the world. That's a lot of it. And mixed in in there, just the tremendous profits. I mean, even Eisenhower in 1961, when he left the White House, called it a military-industrial complex. Now it's a military-industrial media surveillance complex, Silicon Valley making out like bandits, all these uh, corporatists who were just at the top strata, they're getting really rich where we're getting immiserated. Uh, the population, I mean, whether you live in San Francisco, Houston, New York, or anywhere else in the U.S., you don't have to walk far to find people in communities lacking health care, education, housing, infant care, elderly care. And so I often think of something that Martin Luther King Jr. said when he denounced what he called the madness of militarism. He said this excessive, extreme military spending he called it a demonic suction tube. That is sad. Now, let me tell you, um, Norman, um, what I find ironic is that you made some statements about America just now. Some of the world would do just fine without America. Uh, we are. We shouldn't sit down there and call ourselves exceptional. I consider you a patriot. I consider you a patriot. I consider... Anybody who looks at the flaws inherent to our system and decide I'm going to speak out about it to see if we can change, if we can atone, that's a patriot. That's somebody who loves the country that they're in. How do we convey to those who are made to believe that people like you who tell the ultimate truth that you are in fact patriots and the ones who are telling them otherwise are the ones who should be considered traitors to the country. After all, if we follow their path, we're following our own demise. I think the word you used, atone, is very significant because without atoning, without remorse, then the arrogance will continue. President Biden just visited Vietnam. There was no indication of remorse. Um, in my book, I wrote about a quote that I stumbled across in the research from Jimmy Carter. And yes, he's the best ex-president we've had in our lifetimes, low bar, but still he's done a lot of stuff after being president. But when he was president, I just think of, let's have real history. Let's understand what happened. The chaos now in El Salvador, you can go back to President Jimmy Carter's support for the Duarte regime, which was a suppressive one in the late 1970s. I bring that up in the context of Vietnam because Jimmy Carter, two months after he became president, was asked at a news conference, Mr. President, uh, do you feel that the United States should provide some restitution and aid to Vietnam now that the war is over? And President Carter replied, quote, the destruction was mutual, unquote. And oh, he added, I never knew that. He said, for that reason, we have no reason to feel bad about the war. We don't owe them anything. And here we are in the latter part now of 2023. And I think about just in the last couple of decades, Libya, 
Afghanistan, Iraq, where the United States used tremendous firepower. We don't owe them anything. As a matter of fact, I, I wrote about in War Made Invisible, this is another form of the invisibility, very little talked about, that the United States government has basically stole several billion dollars from the Afghan people. After the war was over, just retained several billion dollars that the Central Bank of Afghanistan deserved and needed desperately. And as a result, the last couple of winters, major famine and significant starvation and huge malnutrition. So it's not enough that the United States for 20 years occupies and bombs and strafes Afghanistan. Now, we're not even assisting them in the human beings' dire need. Let me let me stop you there for a second, because uh, making that statement, I want folks to be able to corroborate it, because you, I, you just taught me something. You said that there's a there are billions of dollars that Afghanistan has, I guess, throughout the Western banking system that it's due them that they never receive. Is that from rare earths and so forth that's been mined from their land or where did that money come from? The uh, Karzai government had it um, essentially deposited with the U.S. government. And so it belonged to the government of Afghanistan. When the Karzai uh, regime fell, government, whatever you want to call it, and the Taliban came back, the U.S. uh, was asked and pleaded with by Bernie Sanders and others in Congress, members of the Progressive Caucus, please, the winter is coming. People need the money. They need the financial heft that the Central Bank of Afghanistan uh, possessing uh, to be able to do the development and the aid and literally put food in people's mouths. And uh, Biden dithered and dithered for several months. And then about four months after withdrawal from Afghanistan, he came up with this cockamamie formula. He said out of the $7 billion that the United States possessed of Afghan government money, half of it would be put in a trust fund for victims of 9-11 in the United States. Well, Afghanistan had nothing to do with uh, what happened on 9-11. Not one of those people was uh, Afghan of the 19 hijackers. That's how crazy it got. And then the other half was eventually supposed to wend its way back towards Afghanistan, but it's unclear if and how that's happening. You know, um, I, I try to explain several times, you know, because you'd hear people say that uh, those terrorists who attack us, they hate our freedom. And it's it's so, that is so far removed from what's on their minds. You don't hate somebody's freedoms. You hate somebody who messes with you or somebody who puts you in bondage. And I think that's exactly what you're illustrating there. I mean, uh, no, nobody hates America's freedom. In fact, I read sometimes I wonder how free we are. Wonder, you know, Mark Twain said long ago, uh, the, in the United States, we have the, uh, the tremendous blessings uh, for freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, and the wisdom to never use either one. Um, <laughs> he was exaggerating a bit in Mark Twain fashion, but uh, an underutilized. First Amendment and underutilized freedom, our struggles really are all about using it, using those freedoms rather than just sort of being acculturated to be passive. And at this point, 
I think we have that opportunity to turn things around, but it means cutting against the dominant culture. So let, let me ask you, um, Norman, if, if you had the power, in, and, and let's do this in closing, if you have, and, and, and take as much time as you want, in closing, what would be, now, first of all, I know, in closing, please, folks, get that book, uh, War Made Invisible, How America Hides the Human Toll, This Military Machine. I think it's an important read. But above and beyond that, if you had omnipotent power, how could we turn this juggernaut around? We could turn it around potentially with what Antonio Gramsci, the anti-fascist, called pessimism of the intellect and optimism of the will, to realize that in terms of the climate emergency, in terms of the militarism, the threat of nuclear war, uh, rampant corporate capitalism running amok, all these different uh, challenges and evils, that we have an opportunity to be realistic but not fatalistic. We can energize our independent media outlets. We can organize in communities and around the country. We can build the kind of independent communication systems that are against our culture. I mean, when you think about it, the mass media only really urge us consistently to go out and buy things and maybe vote once in a while. That's antithetical to what democracy needs to be. Part of what really struck me in researching ways that we've been scammed and we've been spun into ignorance and through omission, uh, absence of knowledge of our own history, is that democracy is supposed to be the informed consent of the governed. It doesn't work otherwise. But for the most part, now we have the uninformed consent, pseudo-consent of the governed or really dominated by corporate military powers. I think we do have the potential to have a political and social culture where magic wand or not, if I could at least help this to happen, we'd have a much more politicized culture. We would have a, a, a sort of a horizontal way of people communicating and nurturing each other. We wouldn't say, how much is he worth, meaning dollars in the bank? or investment in Wall Street, we would say, how much is she worth? How much is he worth as a human being helping others, people that we don't know, being willing to help people we don't know because of the common good? And so the possibility, I think, and I'd sort of sum it up this way, the possibility is to educate, agitate, organize, and struggle for political power. One more comment that Martin Luther King made that it's just, to me, tremendously powerful. He said that power without love is cruel. It can be very brutal. He said love without power is anemic and sentimental. So we need love and power put together. Norman Solomon, American journalist, activist, media critic, the founder of RootsAction.org, and the author of War Made Invisible, How America Hides the Human Toll of Its Military Machine. Thank you so kindly for having been in on Politics Done Right with your wise words as usual.
Thanks so much. And I really appreciate everything you're doing, Egberto, and many thanks ongoing to Politics Done Right. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, this is your program, 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. The lines are wide open now. 713-526-5738. Okay, uh, I have some other videos and, and stuff to show, but I want to see if anybody wants to make a comment of, about what Norman Solomon had to say, or, of course, this is your show. You can bring up any subject if you want to change the discourse, if you want to change what we're going to speak about. 713-526-5738. Hit the number two to speak, and you will be on air after listening to the that, that sultry voice of the one and only Jack Van Bever. 713 713- Five two six five seven three eight. Please do not wait until the end of the show to call because again, then I'm rushing from caller to caller to caller, and I want you to be able to have your say. Así que una vez más lo repito. One more time, I will repeat: seven one three five two six five seven three eight. Eric Hayes is on the internet. Thank you so kindly for being here. He says the guy you just had is not a patriot. I know him personally. He's an activist. He loves his country. He's a patriot most more so than most people who wrap themselves in the flag, who uh, put their hands over their heart to sing glory, glory, hallelujah, and the Star Spangled Banner. But really, honestly, uh, they, they claim to care about America. The only thing is that they fail to care about the people in America. Our good friend loves America, cares about America. Augie, come on in. Yeah, I'm a, another American lover, uh, but uh, a lot of people don't realize that 9-11 never had to happen at all. Exactly. Um, the FBI had, had these uh, Arab students under surveillance, mm-hmm. and uh, they were reporting that What's odd about them and why they have them under surveillance is they're taking flying lessons, but all they care about it is knowing how to take off. They don't care about landing the planes. Right. And uh, when George W. was president, he was given a security briefing. And uh, because of Nixon bugging the White House, there's a recording of this briefing. And the briefer is trying to tell him, hey, we got these Arab students under surveillance. And George W. cuts them off. He says, okay, yeah. you covered your ass. Now tell me about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Yeah. And uh, and uh, the FBI agent goes back to his uh, supervisor and, and, and says, man, the president doesn't want to know about these students. And the supervisor says, well, forget about it. He doesn't care. Right. And, and then a lot of people don't realize in those two towers, there were a lot of Muslims in there, in those two towers. And there was a mosque about a block or two away from the towers that they would go to. So the people uh, in the tower decided, instead of having to go a couple of blocks for prayers, they had a, a prayer chapel in the first tower and a right. small mosque in the second tower. There were that many Muslims who died in there too, but people yeah. forget, don't even know about that. Right. And when I, the I, I tell you one down, thing. I, I want to give kudos to Bush uh, d- during that time. The one thing that we can give kudos to Bush for is uh, he told the country 
do not do not attack Muslims for this act that was perpetrated by these particular characters. And I thought that was good of what he did then. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, that was one of his only like really good speeches <laughs> that he ever did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, but, yeah, like you said, when you had these ceremonies, uh, they forget about these uh, first responders didn't get any health care. The yeah. government failed to give them health care under George W. Bush. In fact, right. only health care they got was from communist Cuba when Michael right. Moore took uh, uh, some first responders over there. It is amazing because, as it turns and, out, uh, they, these guys have been fighting and fighting to get what's due them. And in fact, uh, the comedian uh, John John Stewart uh, was he- working with the, with them and really embarrassing Congress till it happened. But hey, Augie, the lines are storming right now. So uh, anything you need to say quickly before I jump to Travis? Oh yeah, one thing about the CIA as the one that per- perpetrated all that stuff in Central and South America. The predecessor was OSS in World War II. Right. And the guy that later was, his name was called uh, Bill Donovan. They called him Wild Bill. And he was hoping to take over the CIA after the war ended. But instead, they got a right winger, a hard noser that took it over and that took over the CIA. And it's right. been that way ever since. And it still right. is to, to the present day. Brother, but anyway, that's. Thank you for the call. Uh, we kind of filled up. Appreciate it. Keep calling, keep listening, and keep doing what you do. Travis, come on in. Travis, you're on. Come on in, Travis. Well, we lost Travis. Let's go to Tag. Tag, uh, if we accidentally lost you, Travis, call back. Tag, come on in. Good morning, Bert. How are you? All right. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Thank you. From your this morning, your interview. Yes, sir. I kind of, I, I, I um, understood that uh, he believed that we need to be helping other people better lives rather than trying to suppress other people. And I think we spend a lot of our time, you know, even with our families and our neighbors trying to suppress people. I think it's a big mistake. I mean, so is that what the- you do? Yeah, that that was one of his contentions, and it's an important one because it even flies into what we we see occurring south at the border. And, you know, we we like to exclaim the immigration is south of the border. Really, it's not just south of the border. It's just south of the border is something that a reporter can go at the Rio Grande and see all these people coming over or or it's. Or, or they can go to Tijuana and see the people coming over. But the, the kind of migration uh, and what people like to call undocumented migration occurs all over. People comes, come by sea uh, on our lo- very long shores on the eastern seaboard, the western seaboard. People come through Canada. There are a lot of people coming into America and leaving America continuously. What's visible is what we see at the border. And because they are brown people they are discernible as opposed to many who come otherwise so i mean what we need is honesty in the way we look at these issues and if we had been helping or mitigating some of what we've done south of the border a lot of the people that are migrating up north would not be coming so he there was a lot packed into what he had to say tag continue my friend 
Well, and, and I and I agree with you 100. percent And um, I, I uh, you know, that's that's one thing that when Kamala Harris was going to Central America and doing some of her things, uh, you know, she was talking about trying to help people down there rather than suppress people. And I think that the left side of our politics more about helping people, and and that way we don't need to work so hard to suppress people. It's uh, just trying to. Trying to beat Tag. people down is a terrible you, thing. Go ahead. You understood it. You understood it. Just let me first tell you that you understood his concept. But let me tell you something that is very that we should be cognizant of. Uh, according to the mayor of New York, who I have a problem in the way he's the narrative he's using with immigrants, he should know better. He's using the wrong narrative. But that said, he is being overwhelmed by that all the people that are migrating to New York sent on buses from Texas and elsewhere. So yes, he is under pressure, no doubt, but he's going to spend, New York is probably going to spend $12 billion over two or three years to house and take care of all these immigrants that are coming in. By the way, the New York economy is huge, but here's the kicker. Imagine if we thought outside of the box, it's going to just for New York, Let's say $12 billion over those couple of years. And then we look at all the other major cities that these southern uh, governors are throwing all these uh, these undocumented workers to. They're going to spend a lot of money as well. So let's imagine if we leverage instead of having these people come south of the border, north of the border and come in and then having to take care of them here, which is very, 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 very expensive. Imagine if we invested a fraction of that in Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala, Colombia, Venezuela, and all these places, right? It would be more economical for us. We would create goodwill to the people over there. We will create more friends in other lands. It's so amazing what we could do. But you know why we don't do it? That $12 billion is leveraged to private corporations in the United States. So while the political class complain, the people who are taking care of all these folks coming over are cleaning up. It's called capitalism, chaos capitalism. Anyway, Tag, I got to go to Donald. So uh, uh, thank you so kindly for calling and uh, being a part of this program. One last last thing that that $12 billion would go a lot further south of the border in doing good work rather than trying to spend it in the United States where it goes to the echelon real quick. You know, they put it away, the money goes right to the top. So exactly thanks, right. Thank day. you, sir. You have a wonderful day, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, let's go to Donald. Come on in, Donald. Morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Buenos hey, dias. Some kind of isn't there some kind of statue in New York or something in a harbor that people used to come on ships and go to some kind of island? Yeah, I think it was Ellis Island, and I think you're also talking about the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, 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 something like that. Yes. <laughs> Why don't they do his backdrop in front of the Statue of Liberty while he's whining about immigrants? But the 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 fact is, People have to realize there's a simple question. What would you die for? Mm-hmm. And we live in America, which is the greatest country, but it's not been in the last hundred years or so. Because the past is the past, but we don't look at our past and where we've come in each 100 year segment. 
and what we've done to other people. Cause you got to remember the bully is going to get payback. And the only way these people from the middle East could pay us back was to hijack planes and do massive damage because they can't fight us one-on-one because they don't have the resources. And we don't line up in a line anymore and fight in the battlefield. If America learned anything was guerrilla warfare, that's how we became America. Because the Redcoats lined up in lines, and we popped and shot and ran. Uh, And that's why we didn't see the Vietnamese in Vietnam either. It's just the way it works. Now, Donald, let me me just qualify for in your defense for some of our listeners who are uh, on the right and are always looking for a reason to make people uh, who have alternate opinions seem unpatriotic. What you actually said is very correct. You are not encouraging foreigners or people we consider foreign terrorists to come and attack innocent Americans. What you're actually stating is a normal occurrence known as blowback. Just like our founding fathers, the blowback to a overbearing monarchy was the acts of our, our founding fathers, who as Britain would consider, they were terrorists liberating a people oppressed. To many of our current terrorists, that is how they see things. So objectively, I want folks to understand that when you mention about that's these guys only way to fight, it has nothing to do with your belief that this should be done on innocent Americans, but that this is a blowback for policies that we put out there. So, folks, Donald is a patriot as well. Continue, Donald, please. And then we go to Johnny. You know, I'm as far I'm as far right as right can be. I hunt, I fish, I can take care of myself. Right. And where's Moses at? Because I love when she comes. Because I love oh, and I, I want her to call me just because I want to reach to the phone and give her a hug. All right. <laughs> but that's, it. that's all I got to say. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. You have a wonderful rest of your day, yes, sir. sir. All right. Let's go to Johnny. Brother, brother, Johnny, the mayor of Politics Done Right. How are you doing today, sir? I thought I resigned that position and took the Billy Club and the oversized uh, hamburger bun to be a cop. I didn't accept your resignation. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, I didn't uh, couldn't get to bed till after four o'clock, so I was too sleepy to to hear your interview live. I'll have to try to get it get it on the. Uh, no problem. Go to the newsletter, and you can go directly to just the interview. Politicsandright.com slash newsletter. Oh, that's right. You can do that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Sorry. Anyway, you mentioned, uh, I thought I heard you mention one of the callers or one of the people monitoring you on Facebook that called Solomon. What did they say? That he wasn't a patriot? They said he wasn't a patriot. Yeah, they said he was not a patriot. To which I... I am dying to ask that person or people what they would think about Donald Trump. Trump with his hands around the flag, hugging it and pretending he loves the poorly educated. What they got to say about that? Look, uh, again, the, the, yeah, I, not, the, what I don't want to die for is a, is, a, is a contact bar. Look, let me let me just say something that people need to realize with uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump told his kids, if you ever join the military, I will disown you. People like us don't fight wars. In other words, 
he doesn't believe his class is supposed to fight. He told his kid that. Uh, compare that to folks that, that many like to attack, let's say the Kennedys, right? The Kennedys, parents, and I, I, I'm not going to judge the parents for what they did, etc. But their parents instilled in their kids to serve. They've lost uh, a kid in war, the Kennedys I'm talking about. And we can talk about the Bushes as well. The Bushes, you can talk about how Bush didn't serve right or he got special treatment, but he, his daddy was shot down. He served and, and his daddy instilled in George W. Bush to serve. So um, left Bush. and well, let me finish left and right, left and right in this country. We have patriots. Go ahead, my friend. Kennedy clan, with the exception of the one who's running for office right now, is above reproach because right. of their legs. And that's the only reason why this Kennedy is getting by with what he's saying. But exactly. uh, I have to push back a little bit there because uh, George Sr. served his country. But yes. don't forget, he was, he was the head of the CIA. And as far as I'm concerned, we should never allow military or intelligence people to become civilian leaders at the high level, whether it's the, whether it's the United States president or serving on a cabinet. That should never be allowed to happen. I want to buck you for one thing, just one thing, okay? Um, and, 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 you know, I, I don't want to come across like I'm a Bush defender and all that kind of stuff, but uh, we can look at Bush, we can look at Obama, we can look at all the presidents. There is a certain gravity within the presidents, the American presidency period, in my humble opinion. And that is it, irrespective of which person become president, there are certain things America does. And until we vote the policy out, we the people, it's not going to change. That's a thing I wanted to add to that. Continue, my brother. Well, I will push back on that, too. Did sure. we not have several states, including Florida? Who citizens, they voted in a referendum, whatever you call that, to allow people who served their time in prison to restore their right to vote. And what did yes. the Republican-run uh, legislature do? They, they overrode they that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Increase. You can't override the people. You're so right about that, Johnny. That's I'm just trying to keep it real, even though I'm hallucinating right now as I get ready. All right, to well, look, you go to sleep. I got to get to Harry, but I appreciate the mayor calling in. Remember, your your resignation was not accepted, okay? Mayor McCheese, if you please, with a double right. side of We talk later, brother. Let's go to Harry. Harry, come on in. Hello, Alberto. Uh, Good morning, and Good thank morning, you, sir. Uh, Mayor McCheese, Mayor of Politics, <laughs> Johnny, for your edifying intellect um, concepts as usual. Anyway, I, I, well, there are two things I want to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about is I love what you said, uh, or your, your guest, uh, Norman Sullivan, and what I was telling you yesterday, a lot of things he said about Afghanistan, is why I did not vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016, is why I did not vote for Joe Biden in 2020, because when they were senators, they voted for that war. And a lot of uh, Afghanis got hurt by that. And I um, was educated that I didn't know that Joe Biden did that with the money that, as your your friend and, and guest was talking I about. I was educated the, as the, well. Yeah, with the uh, the money of the 9-11, that that money that didn't go to the Afghans and it went for 9-11 victims. That was just wrong that Joe Biden did that. <laughs> All the problems they have in Afghan today with the Taliban now taking back over, and a lot of these Afghanis 
women being tortured, not being able to be educated and get a good education. I hear all these stories all the time. It's just terrible. And we spent a lot of money there. I'd say the United States, because I didn't vote for that war. Um, I, I didn't vote for the people that supported that war, I should say. And um, it's Make just your last awful. comment for me, my dear brother, oh, Harry, because yeah. I got to get to Brian. So talk to me on the next comment you want to make. Okay. Okay. The other thing I wanted to say is um, uh, Donald was talking about guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I'm sure you understand this, Alberto, because you, coming from Panama, you understand Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, that term is called guerrilla. Guerrilla, guerrilla. guerrilla. Yes, guerrilla. Yeah, it's guerrilla. And it means paramilitary. And yeah. I'll tell you a quick story. My brother, Alan, who was uh, about five years old in 1975, asked my dad why they call it guerrilla warfare. And he said, well, it's just because people hanging out in trees. And, <laughs> and as I just stated there, it means, it means paramilitary. Yeah. And he was talking about uh, my brother Alan listened to this. Uh, well, he was learning about the Angola War, and it explained about guerrilla and what paramilitary is. So people make that mistake when they say guerrilla war because my brother it's wasn't guerrilla, now, my dad, yeah. it was a bunch of guerrillas. Yeah, and, right. and, and, I, I got you, uh, Harry. You made your point. You made your point. You made your point. Thank you so right. kindly yeah. for calling. You continue to educate the people on that. Well, you all just right. did. You just did, sir. Thank you so kindly. Have a great day, okay. Harry. Let's okay. go to Tell- Brian. Brian, come on in. Yes, I'm here. Yes, sir. I'm here. Okay. Uh, Clinton did not serve in the military. Correct. Neither did Obama. Correct. Okay. Now. Neither did Biden. Correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know what his excuse was? That, uh, that Biden didn't uh, serve? He had uh, asthma. Okay. Yeah. W- but he also I'll- played football. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can check into that. That's 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 a fact. Oh, no, I mean, it doesn't. Again, uh, I'm I, I'm I'm glad that you informed me about that, Brian. I don't know how much it matters. Uh, like I gave, if you notice, I gave Kennedy his kudos. I gave Bush his kudos. Uh, you know, but I also pointed out the truth about uh, Donald Trump about the Spurs. I, I I pointed out, you know, I mean, we can go president to president to president. Some served, some didn't. Now, now, note one thing: I don't think that military is the only form of service. Uh, let's give an example: Obama did not serve in the military. But Obama was a community organizer that went ahead and organized people to get things done. Uh, I never served in the military, but I go out there and I organize. I go out there and I inform. I don't know whether you serve in the military or not, but you are somebody that's coming on here to be a part of the body politic. And if you listen, if you read one of my the, the header to my blogs, uh, my major blog site, I says political involvement should be a requirement for citizenship. So. Uh, we serve in many different forms, and uh, I, I support every form of service. Okay, yeah, I served in the Marine Corps from 80 well, then, to 84. Well, I grew up again. during the Vietnam era. Oh, you did? Go ahead. I thought you were younger than that, brother. No, 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 no. I'm, I, I, a lot of people say that I sound really young, but uh, uh, once you see me, you'll understand. Uh, <laughs> now, my father. Okay. I remember watching anyway. my father watch Walter Cronkite mm-hmm. 
and the the disgruntled uh, American soldiers throwing their medals across uh, the fence at the White House. Yes. You know, one of those was uh, John Kerry. I remember when John Kerry did that, but I remember that gun. John Kerry also manned a gunboat in Vietnam. So John Kerry served this country as well. And and he threw his medal away. And I understand the reason he threw it away, because he was frustrated with what many of the soldiers were doing in Vietnam. You know, again, there, there are good people who served and there were bad people who served. But uh, Brian, yeah. make a last comment so I can get to my Lisa. Okay. Now, what you need to do is read the book Unfit for Service. John I Kerry, actually, wrote I, I know. Mm -hmm. he wrote his own medal. Mm -hmm. he, he was there for four years, but it made it sound like he had been there for 10. Uh, excuse me. He was there for four months. He made it sound like he was there for 10. Uh, you know what? Let me... the, the purple hearts that he got, people said that I've been cut uh, Brian, deeper. Brian, don't do that. Brian, 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 you served, okay? You're too good to do that. Yeah. Don't fall for the swift boaters. You are too, listen to me, good, and, I, and then I got to leave you, Brian. Stop it. You are too good to do what you just did. A lot of people serve. John Kerry did more than most Americans. He was shot at in Vietnam. Let's not swift boat anybody. I, if you notice on this show, I didn't just give kudos to the Kennedys. I gave kudos to the Bushes because people who serve, serve. And I give kudos to you because you served as well. Don't go back and swift boat anybody. Brian, you have a wonderful day. And uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow when you call in. One thing All right? before I go. One, one, yeah, yes. one thing before I go. One thing go. before I go. Threw his medal over the fence. What's proudly preserved behind him in his desk? In Washington, I have no idea. Those medals that he threw. Well, maybe he Those maybe he went maybe he went and fished it out. That was that's what that's what activism do. We do things that are that to represent something. We do it. And if he went ahead and fished it out and put it back there, kudos to him. He earned it. Thank you, Brian. You have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Malisa, come on in. Hello, good morning, Houston. It's Brian. Yes, it is. Talk to me, Melissa. So uh, this morning, that it was funny. Uh, the last caller and uh, the one that's not American uh, said that you know the man was an American for calling out what he called out. Um, <laughs> but it's funny this morning. Um, I was cleaning. I was uh, telling my daughter to uh, straighten her bed before we left out for you know for the day. And she goes to tell me, um, well, what about uh, what about the next one? You know, and so it's I, I just wanted to ch say, excuse me, adults, let's not. Uh, uh, well, accountability, singular accountability. OK, we want to do singular accountability just because we're talking about this thing. We don't want to throw it to the next uh, person. Right. We're just only right. speaking about subject. Let's stay on subject, guys. Thank you. Have a good morning. <laughs> Thank you, my dear. You are always great with, with great advice as usual, all of the times, folks. Anyway, we are at 55, so I think it's about time for me to jump to the – first of all, we didn't get to all the subjects, right? So you can watch all the videos about Representative Bowman, Cinema, Mansion, as well as Eric Swalwell. Great video out there, and I did one with McCarthy as well. Check those out. You can go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. Let me throw this to 
Our geniuses in the control room. Come on in, El Senor Howard Reynolds and Jackman Bever. We're still looking. We're still looking for those geniuses. <laughs> we we haven't found them yet. <laughs> well, like Berto, it is the weekend, and we're yes. going to have a really good weekend here at KPFT. We'll start it off tomorrow morning with PT's Cajun Bandstand. Go right into Three Chords in the Truth, the new Glenda Bell show coming up at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. Uh, do we take it over with uh, No Expectations with Marcus at 10? Noon, of course, is the lovely and talented Stuart. Rock and Stew will bring you uh, 50 years after. After that, of course, Deadbeat. Then we've got uh, Elevator Prozac, which is kind of a weird show, but you know you may enjoy that. Coming on at 4 o'clock. 6 o'clock, we return with uh, Bluegrass Depot. And it's just going to be a whole party on the radio. So we want you to listen in Friday at the radio. And here is Jack with a closing wisdom for the day. Jack, what you got? Well, they brought down the towers just like they sank the main to get us in a conflict, to shock the system and outrage the people so they could justify regime change in Iraq. Did you ever notice how battery drills proliferated after Bush was in office. I I tell you, you, always have the words of wisdom. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. Anyway, folks, listen, I, I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for calling. I want to ask you guys to call more. Let us know what you think. Uh, drop me a line at KPFT at politicsandright.com. KPFT at politicsandright.com. My name is Egberto Willies, this is Politics and Right. I want to thank the studio. Thank uh, El Senor Harold Reynolds, I mean, Howard Reynolds, and Jack Ben Beber. My name is Edgar Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.